Hey guys, so glad you joined us again today at the Gate Church. Uh, what an incredible opportunity it is for us to be together. What an amazing Memorial Day weekend. Thank God for all the people that have given their lives for the cause of uh, our freedom, what is it we, we enjoy in America. Thank God for the influence of America throughout the world, not only politically, but also for the kingdom. You know, thank God that this place, we have the freedoms we have to worship and to be a part of God's kingdom here. So today we celebrate. I also want to let you know about something. Next week, we come back to our facilities here, 7700 North Council. If you've been watching us in the greater Oklahoma City area, or if you want to make a trip and be here for May 31st, we're going to be coming back into our building. Instructions are being passed out. If you want more instructions about what to do this weekend, if you'll just put that in the chat line, they'll make sure that they send you our plans so that you can get them. We have a written up plan that's going to be available for everybody. So make sure you tell them, I want to know the plans for how to come back in next, next week in for church. One other exciting thing next week is this, is that on May 31st, we're having what we call the party. The party is our opportunity to welcome new people that want to be a part of the Gate Church family. They believe God's called them here, called them to be planted here. And I want to encourage you right now, there's information available to you on the screen for how you can sign up to be a part of the party. It's going to be a virtual party. We're going to do it online so that no matter where you are, you can be a part. You can say, I want to become a covenant partner at the Gate Church. God is feeding me, ministering to me. It's very important you sit under a word from heaven because it's the word of God that builds you up and shapes your life. So I encourage you today, make sure that you go there, sign up, be a part of our virtual party that's coming next Sunday, May 31. I want to jump right back into the series we began last week called Live Pentecost. Why don't you right now just go online and tell somebody, join me. Come on, just, just tell your friends, tune in. I got some information I believe today is going to be very valuable to every person that desires to really live the Spirit-formed life. What does it mean to become a devoted follower of Christ and live a life that's shaped by the Holy Spirit? I want to talk about it today. And in just a moment, we're going to do it. By the way, why don't you just tell me where, you, where are you looking, where are you watching from? Go online and just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in Ohio, or I'm in Pennsylvania, or I'm in Florida, or I'm in Oklahoma City, or I'm next door, I'm right next door. Wherever you're watching from, let us know. We're, we're honored to be able to celebrate with you today. My, my theme today, or where I want to teach from, is in the book of Ephesians. If you got your Bible, get your Bible. Please don't ever come to the teaching of the Word of the Lord without a Bible on your phone or some way, and some way to take notes. It's important that you're willing to take notes and just keep going back over them because that's how it gets inside of you. Hearing it one time, uh, you never get it. Make sure that you keep going over and over what God shares with us every Sunday. So I want to talk today about the fullness of Pentecost. The fullness of Pentecost. I'm reading today out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 15 through 20. And Paul's the writer, and he's writing to a church in Ephesus. In fact, this church in Ephesus had experienced the first outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 19, when he went and asked them a question, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said back to him, We don't even know if there be such a thing as the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't even know. We don't even know what that's about. What is that all about? And so the question for me today is, are you walking in the fullness 
of the Spirit since you believed? That was Paul's question. So he writes a letter to them a little bit later and he says to them these words. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, or some translation says, which causes dissipation. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I was attending a very noted uh, outpouring of the Spirit, that, uh, a place that really historically was marked and has marked our nation. I went there by an invitation of some other people who said, Bishop, you need to come and experience what God's doing here. It's amazing. And it marked our nation and it marked the world. But I, I remember going with reservation because my mind began to create all types of reasons why I didn't need to be receptive. I, I thought, I, I've, I know Jesus, I know the Holy Spirit, there's nothing here for me. And I, so in my mind, I was just putting up all these, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I was putting all these blockades in my mind about why I didn't need to be at that meeting. And it was not causing me to be overly receptive. But I remember so distinctly standing there in the middle of a service where thousands of people were worshiping and the Holy Spirit said something to me that has forever changed my life. He said, you need to be open to the spirit of enthusiasm. You need to be open to the spirit of enthusiasm. And I thought, well, first of all, that's not my nature. I'm, I'm probably not the cheerleading type. So I don't know what you're talking about. Second of all, I'm here with people that sort of respect me and look to me. And the last thing I need to do is act sort of weird or crazy. They'll think I'm out of my mind. But here's the big thing. When I heard the Lord say, you need to be open to the spirit of enthusiasm. I thought, what do you mean? What are you saying to me? And then I began in my mind just to rehearse, having done word studies and a lot of reading in my life. I recognize that the word enthusiasm comes from an, an ancient world word, entheos. It literally means to be full of God. In fact, in the ancient world, the pagan world, it was people who were so full of God that their, and, and, and for them it was, it was their pagan gods. They had entered into a place that they were so full of their activity with their God or their worship that their behavior had been molded and dominated by this sense of fullness, by this God that had come to fill them. And in, a, in short, it meant this. It meant a life that was vibrantly and dynamically alive by a source that was something other than the natural world. In other words, they had become alive and dynamic by being filled with something that was other than the natural world. Paul said to the people in Ephesus, here's my instructions to you. Be filled. Be overflowing. 
be rub, running over with the Holy Spirit. Let me show you something. I wrote this on the board. Because sometimes we get confused. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 that there's the doctrine of baptisms, plural, not one, many. The, the doctrine of baptisms. You need to understand how, this, how, how things work in, in, the, in the kingdom. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. When you're born again, how do you become a part of the body of Christ? How do you become a part of the family of God? How do I get into Christ? How do I get into Jesus? It's the work of the Spirit. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, how can I be born again? And Jesus said to him, what's born of the Spirit is spirit. What's born of the flesh is flesh. Your mama gave birth to you in the flesh, but the Spirit is about to give birth to you in the spirit world. And the Holy Spirit baptizes me into the family of God when I'm born again. Then disciples, pastors, leaders, people baptize me in water. That's an act of continuing my walk with Jesus. It's, a, it's an outward sign when I go down in a pool of water. The word baptize is a term that was used to denote a, a ship that had been sunk. It was to denote a piece of cloth that had been dipped in something to be dyed or something that was buried. So baptizo, it's word baptizo. So when the Holy Spirit baptizos us in Christ, he puts us in Christ. When a disciple baptizes us in water, we take this outward sign of getting in a, in a pool of water and we're buried in that water to denote this. My old man is dead. I'm coming up a new man in Christ. So disciples baptize us in water. But now watch this. Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. The baptism with the Holy Spirit takes place when Jesus because Jesus, it was in every one of the Gospels, it makes this statement. When he comes, John said, I baptize you with water. But when he comes, speaking of Jesus or the Messiah, when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's everywhere in the Gospels, all through the Gospels. It all says Jesus is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So when Paul says to the church in Ephesus, watch this, please don't miss this. Write this down in your notes. Please write this down. He said, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. Now you have to recognize in the, the Bible was written in, uh, the New Testament was written in Greek. And so the Greek language has tenses and moods and has, has voice for the verbs. Let me explain what I mean. So when he says be filled, that's a verb. But that verb had a mood, it had a voice, and it has a, a, a tense. So the mood is, it's an imperative mood. So that means he's not saying, I suggest, if you can and if it's convenient, maybe you should consider being filled with the Spirit or full of the Spirit. He's not saying that. It's imperative. It's like a command. Be filled with the Spirit. So he was giving them a command. Second of all, it was in the passive voice. Now, when something is in the passive voice in the Greek language, it literally means, watch this, it means I'm the recipient of something, but it's not something I'm doing to myself. It's something that's being done to me. So I'm allowing it to happen. I'm receiving it, but I'm not the one who's doing it. So I don't fill myself with the Spirit. I allow myself to be filled with the Spirit. It's being done to me. And thirdly, it's in the present tense voice. Here's what that means. 
That means it is now, but it's not just now, but it's in continuum. In other words, every moment will be present. So in other words, it it could read like this. I'm commanding you, allow Jesus to keep filling you with the Holy Spirit, not just today, but that you keep being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That was on the day of Pentecost. But that wasn't the only time they were filled. Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 8. I mean, it talks about them continually being filled. Acts 19, the verse I spoke about a while ago. Paul said, have you received since you believed? And they said, no, we don't even know. So he prayed for them and guess what happened? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But don't miss this. Write this in your notes. My having been filled is no substitute for my need of being continually, presently full of the Holy Spirit. I have a need to be full, not just to mark on my calendar a date in the past where I had an experience. I have a need to be continually, presently full of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people had an experience with God, but they failed to continue in the fullness of what God intended for them. And so they've lived below their privileges as a believer for what Jesus intended for their life. Can I tell you the secret of the New Testament church? The secret of the New Testament church is not that they had political leverage or that they had great seminaries. The secret of the New Testament church is they refuse to be duped into all these crazy arguments that we get duped into. Do you know, do you know I, there's no place in the Bible that the, that the early New Testament church ever argued over whether there should be prayer in school? Now, I, if they pray in school, I say praise the Lord. But that was a futile argument to them. Do you know what? They, they never contended over whether conservatives or liberals were in power. You want to know why? Because they believed that the indwelling Holy Spirit who lived in them was so powerful that no emperor could ever stop what God was wanting to do in their life. I wonder what would happen to us as a church if we would really just live Pentecost and believe that the fullness of the Spirit was so powerful in our life, the purposes of God couldn't be stopped. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Sometimes we get diverted from our true spiritual condition and we get caught up in a whole lot of side item distractions. The truth of the matter is there are people watching me today. There's no power in your prayer life. In fact, there's no consistency to your prayer life. There are people watching me today that you, you have no sense of feeling enabled to do things beyond your natural abilities or even the grace to take your natural talents and use them on a regular basis. And because of that, there's not much of an advancement in North America in the church world. We keep rearranging saints and say we're reaping a harvest. Pentecost is about a fresh harvest. You know, I was listening to, I actually was reading a man who's a pretty well-known guy in America right now. He's a, a prophetic guy. And he made this statement. He said, in our efforts to awaken bored saints in the 90s and our desire to be relevant to them, we resorted to entertainment-based church. 
And when we resorted to entertainment-based church, because we were, no longer, we were no longer willing to challenge people to reach for the fullness of the Spirit, we were content to bring them in, put on great displays of things that really are incredible, but don't necessarily give life. And he said, because we were willing to try to awaken bored saints through all these performances, we end up creating a consumer-driven church that comes for what they can get, spends an hour and a half or two hours, and goes home and their life's never changed. You know what? I want to challenge you today. You need to know the fullness of Pentecost. You say, but Bishop, hold on a minute. I can't be one of those crazy people. Do you know something? Let me just speak to that for a minute. I realize that God is not impressed with my sophistication, nor is He impressed with my rowdiness. Neither one impresses God. I do know this, though. Respectability could be more dangerous to us as believers than we ever thought. I was sitting with Reinhard Bonnke one day at lunch, and he was telling me a story about people who told him he, he shouted too much when he preached. And he said, I got under real condemnation because he said, nobody don't like, no one likes to not be liked or loved or respected. He said, I went to my hotel room and said, Holy Spirit, if I'm embarrassing Jesus or embarrassing you, please tell me because I don't want to ever embarrass you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And he said, the Holy Spirit said to him, Reinhardt, dignity is not a fruit of the Spirit. Quit trying to protect something that might be robbing you of your life. Re re being reserved doesn't always mean people are being reverent. We somehow have tried to equate that as the same. I believe God's saying to people today, I want you to keep on being filled. Keep on being so enthused, so filled with God that your life is molded, marked, shaped by the fullness of that God who lives in you. He then tells them, he tells them four quick areas real quick on how these are things that hinder you from walking in that fullness. Here's the first one. He said, you can never walk in the fullness of God until you first walk circumspectly. You say, that's a big word. What does that mean? He literally means this. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Circumference, circumspectly, look around you. Can I tell you what that means? Pay attention to your personal life. Do you know something? I can't let all kind of craziness in my life and then expect me to walk and live in the fullness of the Spirit. I can't let my temper get the best of me. I can't let other people drag me into their negativity. I can't let people use my ears for garbage cans and listen to their gossip and keep the river of the fullness of God living on the inside of me. Pay attention to what's going on in your family. Do you realize there are some things that you've let into your house through all kinds of means that are not conducive for your life. They don't produce life. You say, Bishop, are you getting very legalistic? No, no, no. I'm just asking you this. Does those activities produce life in you or do they produce death? He's basically saying, pay attention. You live in a culture and a world that wants to shape you. Pay attention. Recognize that everything that comes from the world has an agenda, and that is to mold you into its image. The holy Listen, living in the fullness of the Spirit is not some euphoric realm where we live in a sanctified ignorance that says it doesn't matter what goes on and I keep taking steps into stupid. 
listen, you can't, you can't, there's not, the, 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 the answer for stupid is stop. Is that deep? Listen, walk circumspectly. Number two, he says this, redeem the time. That literally means this, capture every opportunity. He said, because the days are evil. You say, man, I can, I can believe that. The days really are evil. You know, the evil there is not just in the sense of sinfulness. That's not what that word means. But it's more literally, you could put it this way. Make sure you capture every opportunity because the days are filled with a lot of cares. There's a lot of things that can come to distract you and pull you away from what God really wants to do in your life. Don't become so overwhelmed with your own problems that you miss seeing the opportunities of what Jesus has for you. Don't let your focus go so inward that you miss the God who might be right around you, ready to reveal himself to you in powerful ways. The fullness of the Spirit allows us to move into places where the life of the Spirit shows up. Thirdly, he says, know what the will of God is. The will of God's not difficult to perceive. It's worked out in the life of every believer who simply keeps full of the Spirit. If you walk full of the Spirit, you're going to walk in the will of God because the Holy Spirit will adjust your steps as you keep moving. Do you know what the Bible says? It says, make sure you know what the will, don't be foolish, but make sure you know what the will of God is. In the Bible, the word fool has nothing to do with people that have low mental capacity. In the Bible, the word fool has nothing to do with your IQ. It has to do with stubbornness, the unwillingness to take counsel to listen to wisdom. So he said, don't be stubborn. Whoa, I felt the Holy Ghost right there. Somebody need to hear that. Don't keep being stubborn, but know what the will of God is for your life. Then you'll be able to live full of the Spirit. And finally, he says, don't be drunk with wine, wherein is dissipation. You say, Bishop, are you against wine or alcohol? We can spend a whole day on that, but here's what I do want to say is this. Nowhere in the Bible can you preach teetotalism. That's not, that's not in the Bible. You can't do that. I can preach that God is totally opposed to drunkenness in every way. But here's what Paul was saying to them. If you take wine, wine's a stimulus. It stimulates you. He said, but it has dissipation. He used wine as an illustration, but you could use anything. You could use a job. You could use a relationship. You could use pleasure. You could use recreation. Here's what he's saying. Don't let your stimulus be something that tomorrow morning's going to be wore off. You know what? You could drink all the wine you want tonight. Tomorrow, you're just going to have a bad headache. You get up tomorrow, the effects of that enthusiasm is going to be gone. Because really, that's just going to be silly joy. That's the result of you not having the mental capacity to know what to, how to make decisions. But he's saying this, if you'll live full of the Spirit, you'll get up in the morning and you won't feel empty and you won't feel vacant and you won't feel drugged down because the Spirit of God doesn't dissipate. It continues to grow mighty and mighty on the inside of you. That word dissipate is the same word that's used in the prodigal son story when it said he took his inheritance and wasted it. That's what he's saying. When you use these false stimuli, they waste away. They never, they never satisfy. You can't have enough sexual encounters to keep you motivated. You can't have enough money sales to keep you motivated. 
You have to say, I want something beyond that. I need to know the fullness of Pentecost because that'll keep my life moving in the right direction. So what's the answer? Here's what Paul said, be filled and keep being filled. Be filled and keep being filled. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, he, he gives us some instructions. He said, here's how you keep being filled. He said, I want you to sing songs, hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father. He said, the pathway to constantly being filled with the Spirit is that you learn how to invite the presence of God through song, through worship, through encounter. He says two things. He said we're to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs one to another. So you know what he's saying? Don't miss this because this is going to be important next week. He said you stay full of the Spirit in corporate worship. When you're in a place with other people where you sing to each other as well as to God. Do you realize when I'm, when I'm singing, how great is our God, how great is our God, and somebody else is in the room with me, I'm telling them that. You may be in a great problem, but how great is our God? So we sing it in corporate worship, but he also says making melody in your heart to the Lord. That means you have personal worship. You know, some people, the only time they ever worship is when they come in this building right here. And they wonder why they don't stay full of the Spirit. Because this right here, ladies and gentlemen, can't happen seven days a week. But you can make melody in your heart to the Lord every day. He said psalms. Psalms are scriptures that are set to music. That's what that literally means. It's just scriptures that are set to music. We sing several of those. Hymns are statements about God, about God's character, about God's attributes that are put to music. And spiritual songs, spiritual songs are songs that are begotten in your spirit by His presence. I bless you, Lord. I magnify your name. Glory and honor to you, Lord. When you're in your time of prayer, Paul said, I do this. He said, I pray with my own language and I pray in a language of the Spirit. He said, I sing with my own language and I sing with the language of the Spirit. Let me pray with you today. What about fullness? Is your life one that says, I was filled, but I'm not sure I'm full? Why don't today be a day where you invite the Holy Spirit if we were in an auditorium like this all together, I would invite you to come and let me pray a prayer over you for spirit fullness. Even the release of spiritual language. But right there where you are, would you just turn your hands up like this? Would you just invite the Holy Spirit? Say, Holy Spirit, I'm in a position of receiving. I don't baptize myself. I receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Overflow my heart, overflow my life today. Cause me to walk circumspectly. Help me to know what the will of God is. For me. Don't let me be foolish today. Overflow my life. I'm asking you today to not let me trust wasteful things. Fill me up till I overflow today. In Jesus' name. Now listen.
If you don't know Jesus personally, I want to invite you right now. Go on the chat line. Just tell somebody, I want to receive Christ today. I want Christ in my life. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. I trust the Holy Spirit's already working on your life. Because some of you have been foolish. You've been very stubborn, resistant. But the Holy Spirit's talking to you today. It's time for you to surrender your life to Jesus. Say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I receive you into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Come live in me. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let somebody know because I want to send you a book. It's called Fresh Start. I want you to have a brand new start. Listen, one of our pastors is about to come and invite you to give today. Your giving is what allows us to keep reaching the world. Right from here at the gate, we have touched more people in the last eight weeks than we have in the last couple of years. And it's because of you. I need you today to be consistent. I want you to be sacrificial. But more than anything, I want you to be generous as we get ready to give. Thank you for your faithfulness today to the cause of Christ. I love you. Can't wait to see you next week right here at the gate, May 31.